Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dirt Talk podcast. Today, we have Ryan and Brian Priestley from Priestley Demolition. They were stopping by Nashville for a conference, and I said, hey, guys, why don't you come by the studio and talk on microphones? So here we are talking about demolition, television shows, all kinds of fun stuff, Priestley Demolition. Is the one you guys bought from Firma, is that the biggest machine you have? Yes. What's the reach on that? About 175 feet. Yeah, that's right. With the tool. With a small tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it weighs 200 tons and it reaches about 175 feet. We can't really do work at 175 feet. You can reach 175 feet, yeah. but you can really do work at about 155, 60 feet. Really? Comfortably, yeah. yeah. Have you guys got it all the way up before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, the job I went to go do it actually didn't quite reach. I mean, it was like six inches short almost. That's how close it was. But uh, by that time, it was like basically raining concrete on the on the machine down below because you had to be so close to it. Uh... So we're like, okay, well, this is, we just got to sort of reevaluate. But we built a little bit of a, with all the concrete rubble, we built a bit of a ramp to yeah. stoop ourselves up a little yeah. bit higher. So then we we gained a little bit more height that way but we had an existing basement below the building that didn't come out so we couldn't really advance the ramp yeah so we could do part of the building but we couldn't reach in with it to do the whole building so well the interesting i guess for people that don't understand high reach excavators so these are demolition machines are fascinating because you guys are like the evil geniuses of the equipment world i feel like you build all these wacky machines that are like one of ones like this machine you well, have, you'd have built by somebody else, 101 Firma. And then there we end up hanging an attachment from the crane, ran the hydraulics from the 1600 to the attachment, and then we used a crane to take down like the top. Really? Yeah. Yeah, of the building. So you had the, so you had the excavator, you had the boom all the way extended. Yes. Yeah. And then you ran the hydraulics from that to the tool. That's right. That was hanging from a crane. That's yeah. right. <laughs> And then the crane operator, all he had to do was kind of place the attachment, and then the high reach operator, he had to open and close the tool on the radio. So he's back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah we all had radios. It works good for a stack demolition if you want to take down like a big chimney stack. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But on this particular job, we had to go like horizontally, so not vertically with the tool. Mm-hmm. We had to build a, a counterweight to try and keep the tool uh, more, like level. Yeah. So it's not quite, it's not just hooking up to the crane. You had to, we had to build a bit of a counterweight and design a little bit of a. Do you guys fabricate quite a bit yourselves? We have a small, like we have a small welding shop for sure, but I wouldn't say we're fabricators. Yeah. We do do some custom fabrication, but I wouldn't call us fabricators. (laughs) You know, we have lots of roll off bins so that, you know, pretty much you can just keep busy welding roll off bins because you're always, you know hole here dent there so it's just it's yeah you need a welder and same with all the the buckets and the shears we do every i don't know, we probably have 25 30 shears here just constantly almost once a week you got to do work to them really yeah hard facing really yeah yeah wow can we before we get more into because i could talk shop about demolition machines all day <laughs> uh how did how did Priestley begin we talked about this at dinner the other night but for the people listening how did the company start? And then we can get into how you guys started. Yeah. Uh, my dad has never had a job. 
He's only ever worked for himself. He started his business in 1971 called Vic, Pri- Vic Priestley Contracting. And he did mostly like landscaping, earthwork type of jobs, plowed snow. And then slowly but surely in the uh, late 70s, he took a contract, took down a couple of houses, bought his first excavator. So he had a link belt was his first excavator. And he took down a couple of houses in Newmarket. He read the newspaper and there was a tender in there to take down two houses for the hospital in Newmarket, mm. which is only about 10 minutes from Aurora, from our house. So he took down a couple of houses and he had a property with a big barn on it. It was like a three, four acre property. It was a farmland, but it wasn't an active farm. And then once he started salvaging things out of those projects, and he filled the barn up pretty quick with old wood, old doors. Mm -hmm. Back then it was more common to buy a used toilet. It was more common to buy used windows, more common to buy things like that used. Yeah. There was no Home Depot and stuff like that. So, and then he bought a small demolition company in 1988. And then he was starting to get a little bit more serious with it. And in 1993, he started Priest Demolition and he became unionized. So he started the new Priest Demolition to join the union. Um, From a salvaging standpoint, do you guys have just shit crammed everywhere? Do you guys have a problem with that or not so bad? It's it's stuff. It's not shit. It's stuff. <laughs> well, it it's valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with our salvaging practice these days is we bring it in in a, a tractor trailer and we sell it in a pickup truck. So we always have like, oh, let's save the wood from this job. And it's like 25 tractor trailers. But then you sell it like a guy comes in with a pickup truck and he fills it up. And it's like, well, need about... 10,000 more of those guys to come by, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've always had a bit of a salvage operation. And then we had our, our, our TV show and uh, called Salvage Kings. And it worked on the premise of us saving stuff from job sites and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a business that I just can't bring myself to if it's a brand new anything air conditioner. Yeah. Can't grab that air conditioner with a machine and chuck it in the scrap bin, you have to, you have to try and save it mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, yeah. you know, it's a, uh, we save a lot of stuff that routinely sells like styrofoam would be an interesting one, like SM insulation. Like anytime you have that on a job site, you bring it back to the yard and it's almost, there's like a waiting list. Like people just take it because it's still got the same R value as new. Only it's half uh, as much. With, so with, with demolition, Again, to explain how it works is they basically, the customer wants a building gone. I need this building gone because I need to build a new building here, for example. And so they bid the work out. You submit a bid on it. And on most everything, sometimes they will want the scrap value or whatever it is. But on most everything, whatever's in that building. Yeah, you price it. Is yours. You price it to, to own it. Yeah. So sometimes we price work and we allow certain amount for some salvage sometimes we price work and we offer them money mm-hmm. so even though the project's worth a million dollars we think the scrap's worth 1.5 million dollars yeah so it's a negative bid essentially so yeah. we offer them yeah. you know five hundred thousand dollars or whatever the number is yeah so it just depends but it's really hard with the scrap market and the volatility of the scrap market so it's it's in the last few years the scrap market's been very strong overall i would say 
it still goes up and down to a certain degree, but you're talking more like four and $500 numbers for a ton of scrap versus two and $300. Like it was a few years ago. So mm-hmm. it just, uh, it, it, it adds a lot of value to a project. You're basically part contractor, part commodities trader. It's that. And yeah. also every job site becomes like a scrapyard. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're separating all those materials on the job site. Like you got a pile with rebar, you got a pile with tin, you got a pile with plate and structural, you got a pile with all the different products and to try and earn the most value you can for those products. Yeah. The, the disposal is another thing too. Like you always want to wreck a building and not let the brick and block go in with the garbage. You want to mm-hmm. keep your garbage light, save on cost that way. So it's really annoying for me as somebody trying to make demolition look really cool because it looks, it's like, it's like a one to 10 ratio. It looks really cool. One part. And then you have 10 parts. Okay. They're just sorting stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is, which yeah. is where you're making the money and yeah. I get it. Yeah. But it's like, no, I just want them to knock stuff down. That's all I'm here to see. <laughs> yeah. And then you're there the day after they knock stuff down. So then the day you're there, they're just sorting stuff. You're like, damn it. I yeah. just, I timed it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work out very well for me. <laughs> Even when you do a bridge over the highway at night, you know, sometimes we'll take the bridge down in an hour and a half. Yes. But and then, then the rest ta- of the it'll time. It'll take us five hours to clean it up. Yeah. Because we got to load it into trucks and we got to get it off the road and we got to pull the steel out. Mm-hmm. Really difficult to put the steel and the concrete in the same truck. So you got to try and separate it right at the source right there and then. So it's just a, it's a big part of the game. So the demolition company started with your dad. When did you guys, how did you guys start your careers essentially? Well, I always worked for my dad when okay. I was growing up yeah. and I uh, really liked the work part of it. So I took a three-year college program called Construction Engineering Technology. And when I was done that, I did in my co-op. It was a co-op program. So I did a co-op for another demolition company, a general contractor and a like a road contractor. So that was good. And then when I started working for... The company I was, I guess, 20. That was 26 years ago. Was that always in the cards that I'm just going to go? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty happy doing anything, really. So I just, and then it just became such that the the industry as a whole just really grew. So our company grew. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, the Vic Priestley contracting still exists today, but it's probably 50 employees. Mm-hmm. Whereas Priestley Demolition will have like, 500. Wow. So it's just a different, and we can work all year round in demolition. Yeah. We can work all winter. And we have real winter where we're from. Mm-hmm. Like it's cold and snowy. And so to do like sewer and water work in the winter, it doesn't really happen. I mean, you can get lucky for a month here, a month there. But so, but this demolition business, you can crush concrete, you can rip up slab, you can work off the slab on grade on a billion. So you can work all winter mm-hmm. in, in, in our area doing demolition work. So that's where a lot of the guys wanted to get into the demolition that worked for us. Okay. So they didn't get laid off in the winter. Yeah. I, um, it was my first time really in Canada. I'd been to Vancouver a bunch, but I don't really view that as like real Canada. I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's, it's real Canada for sure, but it's just not real climate Canada. Yeah. 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 I I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I've been to Vancouver, but then I went to, uh, more of British Columbia and Alberta and they were, uh, doing underground utilities and they bury everything way deep, way, way, way deep. 
And I grew up in Arizona. You don't do that. Because why the hell would you bury everything that deep? I didn't get it at the time. And then I talk about like, well, that's crazy. Why the hell would you do that? And then everybody on the internet's like, it's cold, you idiot. (laughs) You can't put a water line four feet below the ground because it freezes. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You have to put everything below the frost line. Yeah. But that's not a thing in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Don't frost. (laughs) So how did you you start out? Uh, I started out right from high school joined uh joined the company started laboring and and going through the 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 national the natural progression of coming up through the ranks doing small equipment and mini excavator stuff like that so absolutely love it and loved it from day one it's really good and how are you guys related we're cousins cousins so but uh how how old are you guys like what's the age difference Two years. Two years. Okay, so pretty similar. But yeah. his 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 father is my first cousin, so he's technically my second cousin. But it exactly, gets, yeah. like like you can uh-huh. ask these kinds of questions, and we can go through it, and we'll be honest with you. But you still might not understand. <laughs> You'll be editing it all out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're open and transparent. <laughs> yeah, but, but good, good. But you, um, you get people always are where you're like, can I say that on? I'm like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Just but take it out. Um, well, we don't even take it out. So yeah, it is what it is. But I, uh, so you guys started around the same time. Yes. At the company. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been there ever since. Yes. Yeah. And we started our own company before that. Really? Yeah. It was a driveway ceiling company. Ah. Yeah. Good. It was a good job for high school. Yeah. We, we, Brian is two years younger than myself. So I would say 16 so I could drive. So he was 14 <laughs> and his younger brother, Mark was 12. And we're all the same height and all the same weight. And we pretty much did everything together for a couple of summers while we did this driveway ceiling. Yeah. And when we weren't busy driveway ceiling, we'd go and work at Priestley's and we did whatever nobody else wanted to do. Yeah. All the good jobs. Like pick rebar out of a driveway with concrete, but it wasn't crushed concrete. It was just rubble. Uh And they're like, just go pick the rubble or go pick the rebar out. We picked probably, oh, 10 tons of rebar. Well, I think it was more like 40. Yeah. Yeah, it was like <laughs> multiple bins. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and, you know, the pieces aren't more than four feet long. Like it was heavy, the, the, the bins. So, yeah, we did. We put up hoarding downtown Toronto, and, yeah, so it was great. Spent a lot of time just working hard, learning how to work hard, yeah. getting up every day. It was, it was good lessons. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I think you have to learn how to work hard. I think people just assume you know how to work hard, but I didn't I didn't know how to work hard until when I was like 13, 14, and then I got my ass kicked and learned how to work. And that was that was different. It is different. But you you I've it's it's been fascinating because I grew up similar to my siblings, but I had this Montana experience, this hard work experience that they didn't necessarily have. And I'm very grateful for it because it put me on this path of I got into the construction industry and I, I kind of knew how to work, so I didn't quit day one. And I probably would have quit day one had I not had that experience. But you've, I've had to watch them kind of learn about work, but far later as like an adult. And it's, it's interesting to watch because I think everybody in our industry just assumes everybody comes in and it's like, you should know how to work. That's just the, the bare minimum. That's the expectation. It's like, well, yeah, maybe that was the expectation, but nowadays i don't know if that's fair to have that expectation you kind of need to teach they need you need to learn that you need to learn yeah well i think a lot of people that work hard 
like it. Yes. So the harder the work, the happier they are. Correct. Well, I, I don't think hard work is bad. No, I don't think it's bad either, but I'm just saying it's, it's almost like running. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're filling a void that you have, you know, by working hard. Some people just enjoy working hard. Yeah. And if you're blessed with uh, finding people like that, then you're pretty much on a, yeah, you're, you're golden. So I, some people just don't enjoy working hard. I just don't, I don't think they've ever learned the benefits of it. Like a lot of people, I think, I feel like you, you, you learned it, but as a child, so you didn't really think about learning how to work hard. That was just the expectation. It just came. It just came. It just showed up. Yeah. But then some people don't get that as a child or when they're growing up and then they get to when they're an adult and they work hard, they're like, fuck this. Like, this is, this is dumb. I've never had to do this. I don't want to do this, but I don't, I don't know if it's the hard work that's bad. I think it's just, they've never been in that environment before and they don't know what to do. Well, when like, they find it. And that's the thing when you're doing it and you're doing it, you're doing it, putting in hours or you're getting tired. You're obviously seeing some benefit from doing it and that's why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you enjoy it. Yes. Some people, they can put the 12 hours in, but they can be good workers, but they don't actually enjoy it. You yes. know, it's uh, yeah. that part. I've, I never had that problem. Yeah. That's, well, there's always passion. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's always easy to just keep going and doing more and, oh, work all day and, Work all night and work, work all the, the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did a job at General Motors doing a tariff one time. I think I didn't go to bed for like three days. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we just, well, it was inside the plant. So it was just neon lights. Yeah. So you didn't even see the sunshine. You didn't even know what time of day it was. No. It was just like a going. casino in Vegas. Yeah. 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 Keep bringing coffee and yeah. bagel and keep going. So um, wh- why, so why did the demolition business grow? past the contracting business why did demolition was it grown so much in the canadian market i think the market itself just got really big in toronto mm-hmm. like there's like 150 tower cranes in the air in toronto it's like wow. a construction like mega house right now it's just mm-hmm. and this so there's there's all this immigration happening in toronto and the population of toronto is probably like you know fifth largest in north america so wow. it just you're you need somewhere for them to sleep. You need somewhere for them to drive and, and eat. And so there's just just a lot of work going on there. And our business was was heading in the right direction, I guess you could say. But the other businesses in Toronto at that time, they're older businesses. And I don't think they're, they never had a real succession plan. So they kind of mm-hmm. slowed down and we kind of took off. It's just from a timing perspective, pretty good, I think. Um, I obviously like doing it and I was probably cheap labor at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, we just kept winning contracts and getting bigger and, and doing more. And, um, I think, I think it's just more of the opportunity was there. You know, your business can't grow exponentially in your backyard if it's just not there, yeah. you know? So, and now we're looking other places geographically to expand our business and grow our business. So we bought a little office in Alberta, mm-hmm. and we have an office in Virginia in the U.S., so starting to do some work in the U.S. Yeah. So with the with economic growth development, more demolition comes about because you have all these old structures that did serve a purpose, but, hey, now that land is more valuable for a high-rise than it is an industrial facility. Yeah. And you got to get rid of that before you can build the high-rise. And Toronto does a good job of keeping their downtown core very vibrant. 
Really? So they won't build a sports stadium in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. They'll build it downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, that. so they keep rejuvenating that space. So it causes for a lot of demolition work. Mm. And, you know, we did a lot of work at Maple Leaf Gardens. And now we have a contract right now at the Rogers Center, which is where the Blue Jays play, taking out some seating and so on. Um, Take out the seating? Do you get to keep the seating? Would you like one? I wouldn't mind one. We we'll turn it into one. an office chair. Yeah. <laughs> Send it down, yeah. yeah. Well, now you want the junk. <laughs> I, 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 I say that because I envy demi, dem, demolition contractors because I, I want the junk. Here, one. This, this is my nephew. You want to answer him? <laughs> that you're, you're on a podcast. You'd be yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, want, I want the junk because there's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Like, like Milburn Demolition? Do you yeah. Know? yeah. You know James Milburn? Yeah. You, you go into their warehouse and he has aquariums. He has, and they put an aquarium in their office that right. was salvaged from a job. He has a, like a carousel in there. There's just all kinds oh, of wow. random shit. Yeah. And you're like, this is, this is awesome. I don't know what the hell I would ever do with this pony on a stick, but it's cool. <laughs> and of course I would save that. But then also, and this is the even cooler part, is when you're a demolition contractor, you have access to all these abandoned buildings. Yeah. And it's like, I would be a demolition contractor and also run a side like paintball business because <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <'cause, 'cause laughs> doing that kind of stuff in some of these old buildings would be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is, it's never a dull moment in an old building. No. It, it's just like you're walking around there and like you say, it's just the stuff you see and then you start to think about what they did and what's going, like when we walked in here today, you're like, we used to make pickaxes here from World War One and World War Two. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just it's just fascinating when you think about it, right? When you actually try and what do they do here, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how many different things you see in our line of work. Yeah, because you just end up in these different car plants, steel plants, paper mills, to name a few. We've done some a lot of emergency work, mm. and one time was the you know you drive down the road or the highway and you see a great big two hundred thousand square foot warehouse and it was a freezer and the forklift hit the racking and the racking t- 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 went all over. And then it, when it comes oh. over, it takes its sprinklers and then the stuff starts to thaw. Oh, it's a big, but you're just sitting there going, I've driven past this building my whole life. And I never really realized what was in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you get to see inside of these big boxes, it's, there's always something new or different to see. So they call you guys and like, oh, so we had a little bit of a whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have bit. to you have to go in there and clean it all up. Yeah, yeah. And vacuum. Yeah, that'd be pretty gross. The grape juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, with vac trucks. You can't let that go down the sewer because it's too much sugar in it. That's <laughs> <laughs> up the water treatment plant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, when did you guys take over the leadership of the business? A good question. You were pretty much doing it right from the beginning. Well, it's been, that's, it's a great question and yep. it's just a difficult one to answer. Hmm. So I still feel like it's, you know, my dad who was there, he still comes to the office every day. So it's you're trying to bounce stuff off him. Mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't have like a day-to-day role in the business. Um, but he's 
always there if you want to ask him a question. And if he sees something he doesn't like, he's not shy about letting you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became president, I guess, 10 or 15 years ago, maybe. I don't know. It was a while ago. So, but I had a twin sister who was also heavily involved with the business. And sort of we worked together at it for quite a while. And then a few years ago, she took a step back. She uh, she became a dog board and train facility. Oh, right. yeah. 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 So she sort of took care of a bunch. And then I take care of a bunch. I was always out on the road uh, looking at work, getting work done, stuff like that. So especially when I was younger, I always tried to keep it pretty good hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. So, and just in the last few years, it's been more of a, okay, we're actually going to set up a proper leadership style or, yeah. or chart. Yeah. Been good, but it's just, uh, it, like you said, it's sometimes it's like, well, how did this even happen? And it just sort of happened. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much my life too. Yeah. I just look around, I'm like, Huh. Okay. Well, we're here, so might as well make something of it. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) We're in it now, man. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, you know, someone's like, oh, who's the CEO? You're like, oh, geez, I guess that's me. (laughs) Well, you're you're looking around, you're like, oh, Oh, damn it. When uh, demolition, there's just so many places to go. Demolition's tricky because you work in a lot of different environments. So you're working for a lot of different people. So you have these big industrial facilities. That's a whole different, that's a whole genre in itself. And then you have DOT, for example, like yeah. what you guys did with the the highway work, that, that big highway job, but the overnight demos, and that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And then you have real urban stuff, you know, where you're taking down a high rise mm-hmm. next to other high rises that have rich people that live in them and you can't damage anything else around it. It's, there's a lot to figure out and balance there, but I guess it's just one step at a time. Well, and it's, you know, we try and keep certain people in certain areas that sort of become specialized in it, not even on the sales side through to the uh, management side, project management side, and then try and same with the, the guys in the field. So people who work at heights, we try and keep them at heights. Mm. Like one guy told me years ago, he says, Ryan, don't. Don't send me to take down a 10-story building and then send me over here for six months to take down a one-story building and then send me back to 10-story building. Just leave me on all the 10-story buildings. Yeah. They get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, well, that's not a bad request. <laughs> I mean. Pretty fair. Yeah, absolutely. If there's 10-story work going on, you're going. That's deal. Sure. We'll make that deal right now. So, so that works good. But And then you get work that, like you say, it's it's totally different. So. Sometimes you need to execute the work quickly and you're under, you know, a timeline and, you know, there's pressure with all that. And some work is, we don't actually want you to do anything today, but we're going to pay you, but you need to just stand here and be ready. Mm. That's a different mindset. So, you know, you just got to try and manage the the work as such and and make sure you're clear with the guys on what the expectation is on a daily level or daily basis i should say it's just uh we're doing some work right now at a at a facility that makes the nuclear fuel rods really so it's you know radiation in and out and uh it's a different pace right like i mean uh-huh. it, it takes you about 
I'm going to say the better part of an hour to get into the workspace, mm. be fully ready. And then you, you got to allow yourself about an hour to get out. Wow. So it's just, it's a little bit different, but once you get on that program and then you're going to take a guy from that job on Monday and Tuesday, send him over here and say, we got to get this done today. It's a different mindset, right? So it's just, mm. uh, you got to be a little bit cautious of that. And some jobs you want them to go and literally smash the shit out of something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that a technical term? That well, was very, very yeah. technical. It's like, go for it, man. This is all you, right? And the next day it's like, okay, they're only paying us to remove this portion. Uh-huh. This one beside, they're not paying us to touch that one. Uh-huh. In fact, they actually want it left just the way it sits right now. So don't even touch it. Don't even go close to it. Oh, yeah, but what's the big deal if I just don't touch it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, bit of a, a bit of a thing. So we do a lot of partial work. I went to a job a few months ago in Florida. They had a historic church. And then someone had the bright idea of putting this concrete building attached to the church mm-hmm. decades ago. And now they don't want the concrete building anymore, but it's attached to the historic church. Yeah. But they want the church. Right. So it's, they basically have to create a gap in between the structures, which is just painstaking. And they have this bell tower that has all this monitoring all over it. And if they even, you know, run a jackhammer next to it, they're getting a notification on their phone. Hey, there's too much vibration or whatever it is. Then you have to go and create a gap and then you can tear the building down. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that you don't think about. <clears throat> so we do a lot of that in Toronto too, where they save the facade. Oh, that's crazy. So they're, yeah, they're, yeah they're doing, that's wild. They're doing that on Broadway. There's, I saw that. Yeah. So there's yeah. a couple of, uh, towers up there, but that's pretty common in Toronto. I think yeah. they spent the last time I saw that building for sale was $30 million. Just the building for sale. Yeah. And mm. the a garbage building that they tore down and just saved the facade. Right. But it's just basically the property right. on Broadway. $30 yeah. million. Dollars. A lot. Yeah. Oh. But does, yeah. does Broadway ever shut? No. Well, like, so I'll run sh- down there quite a bit. So I'll be down there. It'll be like 5.30 on a Sunday, 5.30 yeah. a.m. It's just me, the beer trucks, the rats, a and f- the guys power washing the sidewalk. A, a few stragglers. Uh, well, the stragglers will be a little away from Broadway. Okay. So they'll have made it. A off, little, yeah, yeah. yeah. Off, uh, off they're of actual they're on their way home uh, or on their way somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I will run by drunk people, but yeah. they won't be on Broadway at that right, point. Right, right. Okay. Because it closes at 2 a.m. So they have, you know, in theory, a few hours. <laughs> right. To, to, to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> to where they need to go. <laughs> uh, no, it yeah. just seems very vibrant there. It just, uh, when we went to the game on Sunday, it was still busy at. The bus was 10 o'clock in the morning we went? Yeah. Yeah. Was it the, the Predators game? No, the Titans, Titans game. Oh, yeah. Other sport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also right there. They are, they're toying of dem- demolishing that stadium. Yeah, that's what that. somebody was saying. Yeah. That'll be a contract. Be yeah. A contract. Yeah. Brian really likes Nashville. Love it. Oh, yeah? Great town. Well, I mean, get your get your bid ready. Were you guys, <laughs> were, you, were you taking some notes while you're at the game? Like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Looking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they, they haven't said if they're actually going to do it yet because they have to steal everybody's tax dollars to make it happen and create no return on investment, but that's works. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's good for the contractors. <laughs> um, with, 
when did you guys really start to grow? Because going from small demolition driveways to 500 people doing what you guys do is pretty substantial. So we got a contract in 2000, like two or 2003 to take down the Terminal 1 building at the airport in Toronto. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that contract, we basically doubled our volume of work that year. So in 2004, we actually did the did the job. We went from 25 million to like 45 million. Holy smokes. And uh, we didn't really do a whole lot of hiring. We we hired people for sure, but yeah, we mostly just took the approach. We're just going to pay everyone a whole bunch of overtime. We're going to work every Saturday, and we're going to try and muddle our way through this this big job. And we had all of our mechanics pretty much working down there on the site itself. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, they were calling me from the office saying, we need a machine because everything's broken down over here. So then they'd send a broken machine to the airport. We'd fix it, and we'd give them one on another contract somewhere else. And Brian was the super of that job for the most part, it, you know, but we had a, a whole bunch of guys, guys up top, guys great, down great below. Great team of people there. Yeah. And uh, so that was really one of the big jumps for us. Yeah. And then after that, it just seemed like the contracts got bigger and the demand got more. And so it just kept going. And like I say, there was no real, back back then there was no real detailed plan on growing the business. Mm-hmm. We just kept answering the phone and then getting the work and then doing it. And then before you know it, you're doing $75 million. And then before you know it, it's now. Do those, do, do those big jobs initially, is it like you kind of cross your fingers, fasten your seatbelt, and just let her rip? Because <laughs> I've talked a lot about this because as we've grown, everybody's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. You're like, yeah, it's cool. But it, it creates so many problems, especially doubling like doubling your revenue, that's enough. That's enough to potentially break a business. You don't just do that. When you when you have a contract like that and it goes well, it's easy to say, oh man, it's no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but we, when you we know a, what we're doing. When you have a contract that doesn't go well, and we've had those also, uh-huh. then you start to get, as your sign says, humbled a mm-hmm. little. Yeah, right? So, you know, it's just uh, when, you, when you have success, you, you want to, take the pat on the back and and keep going but every now and again you, you hit a and sometimes it's just could be the people could be the contract could just be sometimes this is the way the cards are going to fall today right so um obviously moving forward you want to try and minimize that and 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 not get in those types of projects but again there's not a lot of terminal ones coming down every day or else sure. we just go around the world taking down terminal ones because it was a great contract but yeah. it's they're not always available either, right? So, um, when I'd say at first, everyone in our whole organization, like when I said to my dad, "Dad, I spoke to the gentleman, and I think we got that contract." And the next day, I went in, and he said, "I said, Dad, I I, I couldn't sleep a wink last night. I'm so excited." And he said. Son, I couldn't sleep a week either, but it's not for the same reason as you. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I think it was all throughout the organization, the excitement and the what is going to happen next. So, and uh, when we started working there, I think, you know, everyone driving into the the site, the building, standing there in the middle of this runway, almost didn't look too bad. And then you turn away and then you look back and it was like, this is a massive 
massive building. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's when we bought uh, Komatsu PC850 High Reach. That'll do it. From down in uh, New Jersey, New York. Yeah. So it, it worked uh, from a company by the name of Yanuzi. So we brought that up. And that helped a lot because the high reach we had at the time was a Komatsu PC400. Mm. And it, it looked like, uh, oh, so small up yeah. against the building. <laughs> and the same thing. So to reach the top, we had to keep moving the rubble and we had our 80 tons and we had a couple of cat um, shovel fronts. So one we modified it, we put on a big shear, and one we kept as a shovel front. So really, we it would, yeah in the basement of this building we were mucking out the rubble. It worked it worked great for that actually. You you wouldn't you wouldn't think it, but it did it. So as you open up the the bucket and a material fell in the back of the rock truck, he just closed the bucket again. And you could grab all the rebar. Wow, it was really efficient. <laughs> yeah, really good. like a track loader. And yeah. then and then yeah, he was working off the slabs. So instead of working on the rubble, all the trucks were on the slabs. So then we just keep the slab nice and clean and never have a flat tire and uh-huh. everyone's sitting flat and nice and looked like we really knew what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, what were they called? 5080s? <clears throat> yeah. 5080 cats. Yeah. Damn. 5080s. Yeah. They were big. Wow. What was a project that was a slice of humble pie? Oh, I don't know. Um, there's lots. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, no, I, I can't really say there's one that's a slice of humble pie that sticks out for me. I don't know, Brian, maybe you have one. No, I, I think we learn lessons on all the jobs. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that uh, I wouldn't pick one job, but I would say there's many examples on different jobs where the team, the people, us, we learn a hard lesson and have to move on from it. So I wouldn't say one job, though. Right. Actually, I think the job where we took the 1600 to was a little bit of humble pie. Mm-hmm. We thought it was going to take mm. down the building and then it didn't quite reach. And then we had to sort of switch gears and we had to hang the attachment from the crane. And then. Oh, so that wasn't planned initially. No. Oh, huh. uh-huh. I mean, I just happened to be going to the hockey game in Edmonton. We went by the job site and I was like, this is not looking so hot here, guys. <laughs> like, I don't, there's no attachment missing, right? Like, we got it all together. It's all, this is it, right? Yeah, this is it. I'm like, okay. So, and, you know, we, we, we were trying to, like I say, build a ramp and do it. But then, you know, so everything goes a little longer, and there it's like really winter mm. in the winter. Like it's like minus forty in the winter. Oof. Like we leave, we left the machines running and stuff like that at night. So oh wow, yeah, that's that's proper winter. Yeah, so that's a bit of a humble pie too. That one. Yeah. 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 You're like, um, I guess I measured. I should have measured twice. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn it. Um, how did the how did the TV show come about? I think we started filming some projects because on the DOT work, if you're late, you get fined. Mm-hmm. So in one project we were late on, I said, from here on in, we're going to film them. Mm. Because after when we were late, it's like everyone had this severe memory loss. They couldn't actually remember mm. what was going on <laughs> out there. And, um, so for instance, like the contractor has to shut the highway. Uh-huh. So they hire the police. Well, when the police come and the, the police miss the exit, they have to go around to get back, to get to the right exit, to close the road. So depending on timing, the other policeman coming the other way, he has his lane shot. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's a traffic jam. 
so you can't get around. Mm. So you lose like half an hour quick if the road closure doesn't go right. So oh, wow. on this particular night, the road closure didn't go well. And a half hours, that's a lot of time. A lot of time. Yeah. And then when we were doing the job, the the one side of the bridge was tied into the abutment where typically there, mm-hmm. it's like a clean break there. So you can just take down the actual bridge span itself. Yeah. So there's rebar, all kinds of gnarly steel hanging out of it. And I was like, we got to take this abutment down, but we got to dig the dirt out. It's going to take a little longer. So let's just keep this lane closed for like 10 more minutes and we'll make it nice and clean and safe and everything else. And by the end of it, we were like, like I say, 10 minutes late and we got, we got, penalized for it but the contractor said well we'll split it so it was only like ten thousand dollars in the mm-hmm. end but yeah it was you know it's a little bit of everyone's fault so we started filming these projects and then the guy filming it was a friend of ours and then he's like oh let me film some more and so we spent some money filming so i think the tv show found us on youtube and mm-hmm. then came and said hey do you guys want to do a tv show and the rest is history how long how long did you do it for two seasons Two seasons? How was that? It was good. Um, it's just, it's not really a moneymaker for us. Yeah. Like, it's, they don't pay. Like, I think some TV shows in the U.S. you'd make money. Like, when I see Gold Rush or something like this, I think those guys are probably doing great from their TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like that in Canada. But they're but they're also, they're doing it, <coughs> they're doing it for the TV show. I feel uh, like the, I, the business is secondary. So if right. the business makes money, that's great. Like, yeah. wow, that's a cherry on top. Uh, but that's not the primary business is the TV show. Whereas you guys, the primary business is the business, still the work, making yeah. stuff go away. Yeah. yeah. So, and then they just, they can't really film. They want to do all the filming for a season in about six months. So they can't film any big projects because it takes longer than six months to do a bigger project say. Mm. And then certain customers like, why would you ever say yes to a TV show on a demolition site? Mm-hmm. So getting permission to film was, was always difficult. And so we did it for two seasons. It was fun. It was great. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt and uh, we're moving on. The show still survives. So the one fellow that worked for us, he's, he's carrying on with the show hmm. and they want to find cool stuff in old buildings, I guess. And I haven't seen what it's going to be like because the third season isn't released yet, but uh, yeah, I think it's great. Why, why is everybody so weird about filming in the industry? Well, I think that people think that when you film something, it's going to be, you're going to catch something bad or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I, as much as people preach like, yeah, we're doing everything right, sometimes it's hard looking in the mirror when you look around. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, oh, that's maybe not perfect over there and that's maybe not perfect over there, but it's good enough. And mm-hmm. it's been like that for years, so we're just going to keep going. When you film it, it's hard to, hard, hard to, Look the other way. Well, it, it has been hard to navigate that because I've always been like, I'm not a magician. So whatever is out there is what I'm going to get. And yeah. I'm going to try to make you look good, but I can only polish so many turds at the same time. Right. So if it looks <laughs> like a turd, it's going to look like a turd. Yeah. And sometimes people don't like that. It's like, I'm sorry that it, everything looks like shit, but well, and you can here it is. You could film a scraper and it's blowing black smoke out the pipe and some people find that awesome. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, that guy doesn't take care of his equipment. Yeah. Or, oh, they're polluters. So, yeah. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's why is everyone so judgy? 
Well, I think, I think, <laughs> I think it's smoke, obvious, right? <laughs> black smoke is a, is a fan favorite, but not with the federal government. Because <laughs> that is what is killing the polar bears. Yes. Is that black smoke out of diesel equipment. That's right. They, yeah. They've figured it out. So that's why they need emissions regulations <laughs> on everything. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we say it back home. You used to see a dump truck pulling the highway and there's smoke coming out the pipes, right? Now you never see it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it is helping to a certain degree, but I mean, we've never seen so much downtime with our trucks since oh, yeah. this whole emission thing. I, I mean, it's just everyone's trying to not have emissions. Yes. Well, I was when I was in Alberta, they they remove the emissions on most heavy equipment. Yeah. Up there, because why would we ever have that junk on our equipment? Yeah. If it just ruins the machine. Well, and it runs pretty clean. Also, if it's kept up and. Oh yeah. Well, it's a diesel engine. Exactly. Diesel engines are pretty efficient. Pretty yeah. efficient. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The TV show thing is is pretty sweet. I would love to do something like that eventually. Well, the first season, like I was on it, my father was on it, my nephew was on it, and you know, obviously other people at work were on it. But so it's a little bit more of a little funner. The first season, yeah. my dad was like, "I don't really need to be doing this anymore." So just asked them to not have me anymore. And then my nephew went to school. Mm. So he wasn't around the second season. So then it was just more say me and, and people from work, but then they wanted to hire some actors for the second season, uh, which is fine and cool. But again, I'm, that wasn't what I really wanted to do. Yeah. It, I think it helped substantially get you guys out there though, from a name recognition standpoint, just big picture. I mean, oh. I know you weren't, you were, you were, you were doing just fine beforehand, but from a name recognition standpoint, like people know who you guys are down here. It's, it's got us around the world mm-hmm. actually, because every English speaking country has that TV show. That's crazy. And this summer we were at uh, Calgary Stampede and Connie took some hats down to the grandstand mm-hmm. and she handed them out to people. It was really hot, sunny day. And I go down there and I'm sitting there and I'm having a beer. I look up and I'm like, why is there like 25 Priestley hats in this grandstand right now? I don't get it. <laughs> and so I walk up to this lady and, you know, she's up, you know, a little higher than me. And I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. She's like, yeah, where, where'd you get that hat? Like the one you're wearing. And she's like, oh, this lovely lady came out and she was handing hats out and it's a sunny day. It's just absolutely saved me. It's been fantastic. And I recognize you. I was like, oh, yeah, this should be good. And <laughs> she's like, we're from the UK, and we want your TV show. Wow. Super cool. Wow. I was like, uh, mm, bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it's, it's, uh, it's happening whether you like to think it or not, for sure. sure. So it's great from a brand perspective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've worked a lot on our brand and, you know, to try and keep our brand and – I don't know why other people aren't building their brand as much. We used to never put our names on the machines. Yeah. Well, that's still pretty common. I mean, you have all these big demolition companies like Brandenburg, North Star. No one knows who they are. And yet they're the most dominant players, period. And it's because they they just hide in the shadows. They're at these big plants, often the you know, yeah. nu- these nuclear plants, coal decommissioning paper mills, steel, whatever it is. Yeah, car plants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they're behind barbed wire fences. Yeah. And they don't ever publish anything because that's the world they work into is the customer's like, nope, we don't want you talking about this. 
we and have then, uh, we have a contract like that now, and yeah. it's uh, they don't want anything that the every photo you take, you have to pass it by their legal side to see if they'll release it. Is it at a functioning plant? It's at a steel or, steel mill that's still producing parts of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's um, they just don't want. And meanwhile, we have three twelve fifties, three high reach, oh. three. <laughs> Wow. 374s. Yeah. It would be great to showcase, but you can't eight, do it. 800s yeah. and some of that all just working away in there. But in the same <laughs> breath, they're like, why Why can't we find people? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because no one knows you exist. Right. Uh, but what do I know? <laughs> um, the job, the the big highway job you guys did, explain that one because that was a pretty cool one. The I don't know the technical term for it. That oh. elevated highway. The Gardner? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardner Expressway. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. It was a really interesting project. It's part of the redevelopment for the waterfront Toronto. Mm. And it truly changed the skyline of the city. So we I think we got the job four months before it had to begin. And we started planning right away and got right into it. Um, five weekends to do all the work. I want to say it was... Two kilometers of elevated highway. 1.6, I think. 1.6. Yeah. So five weekends. Five weekends, yeah. I didn't know it was that consolidated. And it was intense, around-the-clock work, lots of people, um, over 9,000 man hours in the five weekends. So Whoa. crazy, aggressive schedule. And it's this whole, it's an elevated highway. It's Did it have two decks on it? One. Or just one deck? Yeah. Oh, so that's. But, but part on. of it was along the water. I saw so, it, yeah. so there was a road yeah. below it, so it seemed like a two deck, but the the one on the ground is just mm-hmm. on grade. So there was only one elevated deck we were moving up above, but it had water, and on parts of it was water on both sides. Obviously, you can't let concrete go in the water, and yeah, well, you had these excavators. Did you take the stick off or just attach? It was like this gigantic piece of steel. We took the stick off. Yeah, yeah. so you take the stick off and yeah. attach. This giant shield, essentially, yeah, to just ricochet concrete, yeah, away from water. That's right. Yeah, and the guardrails because the guardrails had to stay because the traffic got opened every Monday morning. That's nice. so we had to protect everything all the time. Yeah, and and the controls for the traffic lights and you know some of the transformers <laughs> stuff uh, like that. Utilities <laughs> were a thing. Fire hydrants. Yeah, <laughs> that stuff. You know, like that couldn't let the concrete really land on that either. Holy smokes. So it worked good for that. And the thing was with these excavators, it was, they were very mobile. Oh, yeah. Could Concrete. drive over concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many machines were out there? We had a total of 25 excavators on that job, uh-huh. 10 up top, and then all the supporting equipment. And then we had, you know, full-time crews working during the week processing material and stuff like that. But uh, the closures could only ever happen on the weekend. So you'd close it, you'd be wrecking stuff, wrecking, getting stuff out of the taking way. Taking down girders, stuff like and that. processing during the week. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty slick. Back to the boring stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I've seen an excavator process. <laughs> concrete and steel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've seen one job similar to that. That was the one in Seattle that oh, Firma did. Yeah. Yep, the for viaduct. Kiwit. Yeah. The viaduct. Yeah. But that was much slower. That was like a nine month. Right job, and and they didn't. There was no closure there because they they didn't 
they they tunneled under the city. Right. So they took all the traffic from the viaduct, put it underground, and so there was no more traffic. Right. And then they could wreck it. That was an impressive job too. Yeah. It was super cool because yeah. there was this one. I have this video clip. So I got out there with Verma and Kiwit and got to see it, but it was I don't know. It's 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 tough because you're working in this fenced off area. It's closed. It's 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 really tight and like for me trying to capture it you can't do a whole lot in a, in a really tight area like that but i remember the next day i'm with my friends we go to some place to drink beer and you walk out from this restaurant and overlook the the bay and sure as shit i mean i could damn near reach out and touch this thing they have their fe 200 like one of their yeah. big excavators with a processor just sitting there just munching on the upper deck of the viaduct i mean right there i'm like holy shit this is amazing yeah so all my friends were drinking beer i was standing with all the other children watching this <laughs> <laughs> watching this machine this go to town on this highway yeah. that had hot cars there you know a yeah. few months prior yeah it was pretty neat yeah because it was it was so there were i mean the viaduct was built up against buildings right so you'd have someone's apartment two feet Right the there, viaduct, from yeah. a from a highway, yeah, it's, it, it was it was wild. The gardeners so, like that, yeah, it's really, like that yeah. Toronto, yeah. Not the area we did, we just did because it, it was along the water and stuff like that. But uh, right through the center of Toronto, it's like that. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're building the buildings two feet away. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, why grow beyond where you guys are at now? What's the motivation there? Just it's time to make a decision what we wanted to do next. And how we were going to do it, and I think that though it's important to grow a little bit all the time. So, um, and geographically, it made a little bit more sense. Like for instance, we're only two hours from Buffalo. Mm -hmm. We're only four hours from Detroit. Yeah. Whereas we're like a four day drive to Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it only made sense for us to do a little bit of work in the U.S. eventually. So that's that's uh, where we ended up. And I think that there's definitely a market here for, you know, good companies. You know, I don't think we're going to be able to do anything a whole lot different than people here doing it now, but I think there's lots of work and I think there's lots going on. I think there's a lot of opportunity in demolition though, because it's, there's still a lot of cowboys in the U.S. I mean, probably everywhere, but it's just some guys with some clapped out excavators just wrecking shit. Like, you know. Bill and Terry just going to town. Yeah. And and there's like there's no more paint on the counterweight because they've rubbed it up against so many piles of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's not a piece of glass on on the machine because it's just and then you see how like I went to Switzerland to see how the Europeans do it. And it's just black and white. I mean, it's like a science project. Everything is thought through. And I know the contracts aren't necessarily set up like that yet. Like the margins aren't quite there, but that's where the world is going. They're just a little ahead. It's, and you, you can, once you see into the future, you're like, whoa, there's, there's that gap. Right. Who's going to fill that gap? I agree with you. And it's, uh, you know, I think there's a demand from the customer side as well that they, they want good service. Mm-hmm. They want to know what the plan is. They want to know when you're coming. They want to know when you're going to be done. And they want to know that there's you know, going to be no accidents. And they want to know. So trying to give them a plan on how to do it and stuff like that has been a big part of what we do. And I think that that's a little bit different than, like you say, the owner-operator style business. Yeah. 
owner operator style business is a great style, but it's just very hard to scale. Yeah, there's no scalability. Right. At so, all to it. you know, as we grow our business, you know, we have all these sort of methods and procedures and Oh, we have, we, we've worked hard at systems and processes to <clears throat> be able to go out and service, you know, a customer and, and turn them into a partner, not just a one job kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. Well, demolition is fascinating because you don't, when you're building something, you're working on plans. So they tell you exactly how to do it. Here's the specs. Here's what it looks like underneath. Like everything's there. Demolition, you can kind of look at it. You're like, yeah, yeah. And maybe there's some plans somewhere like, oh, okay. So we can kind of get it. But you don't really know a lot of times until you get into it at the same time. And it's, you know, we've made a heavy investment on the, like, we have a 3D scanner. Oh, really? And we have oh full engineering department. We have estimating software. We have counting software. We have, I'm not the software guy, but software for freaking everything. Yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. software, software, more software. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's good, but it's, it, it, again, it's to create, you know, a process that's quick and efficient and so on and so forth. So all of our guys have, you know, their smartphone and an iPad and we manage the business through our software hmm. for the most part. I think that's what the industry needs overall, just a little more sophistication. Cause if you could do it more efficiently, you, it's a better product. You're more profitable. It, it, it's everybody wins. It sucks setting up, but once it's set up, it's yeah. great. Yeah. And you know, all the things you think were going to be a problem, aren't a problem and all the things you thought weren't going to be a problem or a problem because mm-hmm. it's something new but like the guys you thought for sure are going to push back on this they're like loving it oh yeah so it's like oh okay well you think like a guy that's but you know if you if you write everything by hand every day you got to write first you got to fill out your safety then you got to write out your timesheet, then you got to send something in for payroll mm-hmm. and then you got to do oh we had this incident or you're writing everyone's name four times a day mm-hmm. and you got a crew of 10 guys it's a lot of time when you could be out walking the job or mm-hmm. planning and stuff like that. So the software has been good for, for us, for sure. What's the difference after having done work, obviously in Canada, but now in the States, what's the difference between the two markets in your guys' opinion? I, th- I think the work is fairly similar, but I think the cultures are different and, and not that they're better or worse or it's just different. So trying to learn the culture is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, we eat more pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I <laughs> don't. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can give you that one, but no. I just like, for instance, the way they set up contract, like contracts, are different here mm-hmm. than uh, than home, and uh, you know, just I always talk about the U.S. is like ten times. So it's just like there's just ten times the people. There's just so it's and the contracts that we've got down here, they're you know. They're similar, but they're not. So it's just uh, the work we're doing on the highway. And the, we lifted these girders down. Like we hired a crane. We lifted the girders. and But I guess at the time, they're having a hard time getting someone who actually would do that. So some contractors wouldn't do that, it sounds like. They're mm. like, well, no, you take the girders down. Mm. So, And I just don't understand why that is yet. But we'll figure that out in time. So offering more of a, a package maybe. Is, is something that's good, but. Well, I guess the contract language is totally different. Well, and. and, and you're working it, on different laws. And you yeah. work on some yeah. of these bigger, you know, projects like these highway projects or whatever. I mean, they, they, they write the contract so they're never wrong, right? Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah. it, you oh, just, yeah. it's like hundreds of pages of 
So, you you know, again, we have full-time legal staff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's another one. Yeah. yeah. Have a yeah. go at this one. <laughs> Let us know what you see. Well, that's one of the main, I've learned, my dad's a lawyer, so I've learned some of the tricks along the way. Yeah. And then now in business, you start to deal with more and more lawyers. That's one of the tricks is let's just make the contract so long that you're looking for a needle in the haystack at that point. And that's not the del- that's not the deliberate intent, but that's kind of the game they play. Well, and you're if you ask them to change page 42, second paragraph, we don't like that. It could stall the work from happening. Yeah. Like yeah. they got to go up the ladder so so it's like, okay, well, what does this really mean and how would you guys see this getting used in like, mm-hmm. are you really going to hang us in on this one or what's happening here? So, you know, just getting a comfort level with the contracts and the contract language and the cultures, you know. So, again, on this, on the job that we're doing in Virginia, safety was a big thing for them there. And so we, which was good for us, you know, we want to be safe too. So well, it seems like safety, safety culture is pretty similar from here to Canada. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be more strict in Canada, but I, at least from what I saw, it's like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty even across yeah. the board. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's, again, it's different industries, like yeah. different rules in a mine versus paper mill and mm-hmm. different rules on a highway than there is in a mine and stuff like that. So that part of it, I would say is similar by sector. Like, I don't think they're doing anything really different mining wise here, safety wise, no. than mining in, in Canada for sure. No, it was identical. Yeah. Even the construction projects I went to, I'm like, yeah, this is similar, yeah. similar vibe. Yeah. Very the, big, similar. the big jobs have a, have a big focus on safety always. It's the smaller jobs yes. that seem to fall by the wayside sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on who the general contractor right. is, that's where it's really driven from that's or the right. owner. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, I'm excited to see you guys down here more. Yeah. Is this really just a ploy though to get a vacation house in somewhere warmer? <laughs> well, no, not just a ploy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, James and Milburn, they, they're in Chicago. So it's not as cold and shitty, but it gets pretty cold and shitty. Yeah. And then they opened up a business in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. That's like, I see what's happening here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I know there's some business reasons here, but yeah. I see, I see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and and well played i would be doing the same <laughs> no it's uh you know you got to go where the work is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think they just sent a price out for a job in miami like that's warm demolition's interesting too from an equipment side of things because you start to when when you have these big machines you get into this world in which only a few other people have those machines so not anybody can go bid i mean you can't go rent that cabelco well, well, I, I mean, can rent it out because I have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, and I could try to rent it from you. Yeah, you could. But try. <laughs> <laughs> if it's but, not busy, we can maybe do something yeah, for sure, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But I can't just call United Rentals and be like, hey, guys, this is what I need. Can I have it by Tuesday? Right. Mm-mm. Doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so it, 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 there, is, uh, there is a little bit of a moat around your business at a certain point once you get to that level and that scale. But then I guess you get to that scale and everybody else also has the cool stuff. Well, and they're, they're making more and more of that stuff all the time, right? So these, these big machines mm-hmm. that, you know, you can order one, takes you a year or two to get it, but you can call up a lot of boom manufacturers. They'll make you a boom, whatever height you want. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, and then it's, it's, we have about 15 high reaches. 15, yep. So it's all about putting different tools at different heights. And so lately we've been trying to focus more on like the bigger tool at a lower height. So it's mm-hmm. not about reaching the 175 feet. Yeah. But on that 69, you can put a 25,000 pound tool at a hundred feet. That's, that's it. Whereas at the 175 feet, you can only put like a 6,000 pound tool. So wow. it's, it's, you can put a much bigger shear and stuff like that. So, and, uh, you know, 1250, we have very big, the biggest shear LeBounty makes right on the end of the boom. Really? Yeah. That would be cool to see. Oh, it's a monster. I'm sure you guys have some pretty big hammers for those things too, huh? Yeah. We just bought a new, I don't, is it H? It's an HB 10,000, but it's a 18,000 pound hammer. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you kind of get the 18 and the 10 mixed up sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh so it's it's and it's it's right on the end of the of the stick of the of the 1250 but i mean again it, it looks like a pc 200 only it's a 1250 yeah it's just when you zoom in you're like oh that is big yeah when you have a human standing next to the hammer yeah only do you realize oh wow yeah that's that's a machine we're removing some of the foundations at the steel mill and it looks like it's mining like the foundations are twenty feet deep and they're forever and well, and some of the steel they put in these foundations. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's, it's, I was looking at one. It was in Switzerland, and they had their big Liebherr excavator on yeah. on um on this foundation, and it, it it was the biggest hammer I'd ever seen. I need to look up what what how big it was. It was probably not far off eighteen thousand. Yeah, and it wasn't doing a whole lot because it was more steel than concrete right. in the damn foundation. So it's just painful to watch even this big machine try to dig through this foundation, get yeah. this because there was just there was so much damn shit all mixed in there. Oh yeah, couldn't do anything. And it's uh, like there's sometimes there's rods four inches around. Yeah, like, that's only like two inches around. Yeah, you know it's 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 big stuff. Mm. You don't quite realize it until you get into it. It's so you need the essential size piece of equipment for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get up there one of these days. <laughs> We we went up to Canada and I when I looked at the map well when I when I when I thought about going to Canada I'm like oh I'll go up there and I'll go to Toronto and I'll go to Calgary and I'll go to Alberta and you know we'll go over to BC and then I looked at the map and I'm like mm, so that's not gonna happen <laughs> 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 yeah. so so I picked one half yeah and said we'll we'll go over here and we only saw you know a very small amount of what we could actually see over there. And then I promised everybody else that got very, very excited about us coming to Canada, we'll go to the other half. I promise. One day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't know how many hundreds of people say, you got to come to Toronto. You got to come to Toronto. Yeah. And I was like, I'll, I'll get up there one day. But I went, funny enough, I went to the part of Canada that's much further from Nashville than Toronto is. Right. It's pretty close. It's a two-hour flight. Yeah. That's not bad. It's no, not bad. It's pretty close. It's an hour, an hour difference in time, but it's pretty close. Well, next time you guys get something neat. Which is probably all the time. We'll come up. Well, I think even, something really uh, neat. Yeah, well, I think we should maybe something. We got some work, like I say, where the Blue Jays play. So we'll if there's some sexiness there, then we'll we'll call you. Okay, I'll ship a few seats home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're blue. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Uh, well, glad we can make this happen. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. All right. I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you plan your travel trips? And do you do it all yourself? No. I 
I, now, now you have someone actually do it for you. I've had a, I've had someone helping me for about two years now. It just got to a point where it's, there's so much travel to book and there are so many different pieces to move around. Yeah. It's like I could give myself a raise or I can just take that capital and go apply it to hiring someone to, to help me do all of this and free up all of that time. And then they're probably going to be much better at it than I am. And it's been an absolute blessing. Like yeah. if I had to do it all, there's, there's not enough time in the day right now to organize everything. Yeah. No, so, it's, uh, it's just like you say, first you need the flight, then you need the car, then you need the hotel. Well, but, but even before that, <clears throat> first you need to figure out where the hell you're going. Right. And then you need to piece kind of the trip together. So it logistically makes sense. <laughs> and then three, you need the approvals, which is a bitch sometimes. I mean, just because we're, we're. We're getting into harder and harder places to get into. And with that just requires more lawyers, more yeah. executive level people, emails back and forth, phone calls. <laughs> and then you go out to some countries that you're like, like there's a little bit of a cultural barrier, language barrier. Like, I really hope this works out right. because this is a little bit of a gamble right now. <laughs> um, and then once you've done all that, then you can start booking things and then you have schedule changes and you have weather and it's just there's so many variables to yeah. what we do. But that's that's the thing. I view like taking the picture, that's the easy part. That's that's the gravy right there. Like that's got this. That's such a but it's such a small percent of the overall process. Right. And that's why we can go create the work we can is because we I've put in all that work on the back end. Right. To even get myself into that position. People ask me, like, how do you get into these places? It's like I work seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I've called like, everyone under the sun yeah, that you could secret. possibly imagine. Yeah. I, yeah, I tried calling them for yeah. 18 months yeah. before they answered my damn phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I heard about them. I reached out to them and it took 18 months, but I'm finally here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, yeah, some places it takes a year or two to get into. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to keep annoying you. I'm not going away. Yeah. Um, so... I'll yeah. just say I, the only reason I ask is sometimes it, it just does seem like a lot of balls in the air when you're traveling. It just doesn't seem very easy these days. It's Well, so it's it's two things. One, I have someone helping me do all of that. Jessica, like, seriously, if she went away tomorrow, just shut the company down. Right. Like, <laughs> like, everybody should be polishing their resume. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so that's one part. But two, when I'm on the road, I don't have to worry about the business because we've built a strong leadership team. Right. They handle shit. Right. And I'll call Dan, who's president of the company, just check in what's going on. And he'll just kind of keep me updated. Just not even out of, I need to know. I just want to know yeah. what's going on to stay a little bit connected, but I'm not stressed out when right. I'm out in the field because I know we have a team handling everything back home. Good for you. But if I didn't have that, there's no way I could, there's no way I could travel right now. Right. It's just not possible. Right. Yeah. And you like taking photos. I like being out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like photography on its own, but I like that it gets me out into these places. And I, li I like photographing tractors. Right. But if it's like, hey, could you photograph my kid's sports game? I'd be like, no. I like, I. Right. <laughs> or, wow, there's a beautiful sunset. Yeah, it's a beautiful sunset. Like, I'm not going to go <laughs> grab my camera and take a picture of it because I just don't, I just don't care. If there's a machine sitting in front of it, Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, yep. That's good. That's good. You answered that question. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's my secret. Anything else, Brian? No. It's a great time. Thank you very much. All right. 
That's a podcast. This card's a little short now. I'm getting too far away. I right? know. We're we're gonna work on that. We got to workshop some things. We don't have everything figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. <laughs>